Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I'm doing better than uh, Facebook and Google's internal operations. Uh, yes. Let's, let's put it that way. And, and maybe other companies, I guess, we'll see soon enough. Yeah, so the uh, b- big, big developments, uh, I wrote about uh, Facebook and the context of, of BuzzFeed, and which, which tied into some of the, a lot of our discussion last week, actually, mm-hmm. in terms of Netflix and, and where integration happens on a value chain. But uh, you, you have demanded that we talk about something else, so I will, I will, I will uh, heed to your demands. I, I feel like we should, we should revisit the topics of integration and modularity in the context of Netflix and Disney and suppliers, and also in the context of Facebook and BuzzFeed and all those folks. But may- maybe we'll return to the regularly scheduled programming next week or something. What do you think? Yeah, you you're, you're, you felt like we hadn't talked about Facebook enough recently. So <laughs> I, 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 I get it. I, I understand how it goes. Yeah, well, well, this week, can you blame me? There have been, there have been some fireworks, I think, would be, would be an understatement. I would agree with that. It's interesting, though. It's going from fireworks to fireball, and it seems to be engulfing a few other folks. So the topic at hand, the big news is really Apple making the decision to cut Facebook off with their enterprise development certificate, which is basically the thing that allows Facebook to develop all internal applications, whether they're uh, early versions of future applications or internal-only applications. To back up a little bit, though, I guess this story starts back in 2013 when Facebook Facebook acquired a VPN app called Onavo, and I think it was for around $120 million. It was for quite a lot of money. This app, from a user perspective, uh, like promised many of the benefits of a traditional VPN app, like hiding uh, traffic from people who would otherwise uh, observe it. There were other benefits to users as well, such as data-saving sh- data features that got introduced. But the big benefit from Facebook's perspective was once they had this app on the phone, they were able to see that other things that uh, the the user was doing, they would be able to see all the traffic. So it would all get routed through um, the, a network such that Facebook could observe all the traffic, but they could also get analytics on the phone, such as other types of apps, how they were being used and so on. This, this was a widespread thing too. I mean, there was a story about Twitter doing this uh, uh, like four, three or four years ago. It was kind of a, you know, a, a thing that came up, but this idea of apps sort of sniffing around what other apps are on the phone, which was just a basic API call, and then mm. phoning that home. Like this was a pretty widespread thing, just just to give sort of broader context. Yeah, and, and you can understand why. If you're if you're building a platform and you want to understand how people are using their devices and whether there are new apps that are emerging as threats, that's very useful information to have. Yeah, and you can view it the other way too, why that API call exists, right? Maybe you want to find out there's another app so you can route something to that app. And you, you, there, there's like a user experience advantage to letting an app know what other apps are on their phone because maybe you can like reveal features or whatever, particularly before like the sharing interface was introduced by Apple. Mm. Like this was a way to sort of like know what else is on the phone so you can even know if you should reveal something to the end user. So like there's so many things in tech where there's actually a very sort of banal explanation for them. But then, you know, because it's, you know, people will figure out, people are smart, people are mischievous, they'll figure out ways to use stuff in ways that maybe they weren't originally intended. And, And in one of the ways that that this API call was used was basically for competitive intelligence. Mm. 
Uh, Exactly. And one other way that Facebook decided to get more of this type of competitive intelligence was actually to to double down on the strategy using a number of the resources that they acquired through Anavo. They actually developed and and using third parties to get it installed. They actually developed a uh, effectively using the enterprise certificate to what's called side load. and a very similar application onto users' devices. Uh, but the advantage of that was it didn't need to go through the iOS app store. And because it was sideloaded, it had effectively complete access to the phone. Yeah, and just to like be, be super clear what's going on. Like, so basically they had dual programs going on. So they have the Onavo app through the app store, which which again, I think this is really important. I think has been missed in some of the, the discussion here. Onavo was not against the app store rules it, w- at the time that it was put in the app store. Uh, it, it, in fact, it was not against the rules up until June of 2018 when Apple changed the rules. So it's not like they, they weren't breaking the rules for for the, the several years that they had a novel in the store, but they also had a so that that's a novel. So mm-hmm. set that to one side. They had a parallel program, which is basically the same app for all intents and purposes. It's called what was it called? The Facebook research uh, program or something like that. Mm hmm. That was it was the same app from a code perspective, but to your point, it was installed using Facebook's developer certificate. And you just to back up, the way that apps are locked down on the iPhone is they are signed, like there's like they're imprinted with like a, a distinct signature. And apps that come through the app store are signed by Apple. And then your phone has what's called a certificate on board, and and it checks the signature against that certificate and say, is this an authorized app? And if it is, then yes, it runs. That certificate is stored in like that secure enclave on the chip. So it's like like it's locked down on there. And what an enterprise certificate does is it lets you add on your own additional certificate to the phone, which means whoever wrote that new certificate can sign apps themselves. So in this case, Facebook can sign that app or any enterprise can get this agreement. They can sign an app. So it's designed for internal use, whether that be internal testing or whether it be sort of like line of business type apps. Like, for example, one of the Facebook apps that was impacted was like the the shuttle app to call the shuttle and move. Mm. Campuses uh, and like that's that's what it was sort of in, in, intended for. And what they did with this parallel app was they had users who signed up to this program install that certificate and install basically the Innovo app, but outside it was a separate app. And because they had the certificate, Facebook was also sort of very aggressive in the permissions they asked with that certificate. So not only did they get to see all traffic, they actually got to decrypt the traffic because the certificate also was sort of a, a sign for SS for. SSL, HTTPS, sorry, uh, where they could basically look in on traffic as well. So it was even more sort of uh, far more data and intelligence than even the Onava app, which which could not look in on encrypted traffic because it didn't have that level of permissions as no no app from the App Store would have. Sorry, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think oh, no. getting, being super specific about the details, I think, will, will be important as we sort of dive into this. Totally agree. So effectively, they, they took this mechanism that was meant to be used only for uh, internal development. And the, the enterprise uh, agreement that Apple have is pretty clear that this exists so that you can create line of business applications inside your business, whether it's like you have a retail operation and you want to create 
create a special application so you can give your employees uh, iOS devices, maybe an iPad or an iPhone, to go around and check stock or to check people out. Or like you said, like order shuttle or maybe something to do with the cafe or something like that. And also to beta test apps that are coming down the pipe before you generally release them. Because, for example, Facebook, you don't want to be releasing an update to the app without having extensively tested it. Right. And and, and, that, and it's different when you're at the scale of Facebook, right? Like a traditional developer account only has like 100 installs that it allows for testing. And then the, there's Apple's test flight program, but that requires submitting to Apple for submission and it's limited to 10,000. Like I, I don't know the numbers for Facebook, but I would guess it's it's actually much more than 10,000 because mm. not only do they have more that many employees that are using beta apps, like all their employees are on, on beta versions, but also they have like these companies will have huge like farms of iPhones that are being tested automatically and and the uh and you know it, it, it's all automated and part of that with the certificate is because they can get f- much deeper access to the phone they can also put on sort of the the, the the testing programs the entire thing and they're just running through these test suites that are testing every aspect of the phone uploading uh, uploading photos of of five megabytes 10 megabytes 50 megabytes 20 megabytes 25 megabytes like trying to break the app in, in like every time they do an update and you can only sort of have a testing operation of that scale if you have sort of unfettered access to the phone and an unfettered ability to install apps. And so that, that is a huge part. Also You're, the line of business, there's two parts, the line of business apps, which you just said, and then this, this huge sort of testing apparatus is, is the other, the other super important part. Right. And so, and th- Facebook used this mechanism to start to distribute this app, which is being distributed outside the app store. So you're having to, you're having to like clicking things and, and load certificates and, and you're copying download links and it's in Safari as opposed to, uh, going, going to the app store and they're using third parties to distribute it. And the third parties are running ads, uh, to sign folks up. And some of those ads, uh, some of those users that ended up signing up, it turns out were, uh, teenagers, so minors who were underage, and apparently there was a there was some kind of you know you have permission from an adult checkbox that that these guys have done, and it felt I don't know it, it not entirely convincing that that a parent actually knew, and in exchange these these teenagers plus uh, folks who weren't teenagers, there were there were other users who were outside the thirteen to seventeen year olds. Um, all these users were being paid sometimes up to twenty dollars a month in exchange for giving. Facebook access to all of, uh, in exchange for Facebook being able to see everything that they're doing on their phone. There were third-party services managing it. Uh, and and once you actually went through the sign-up, it was clear it was Facebook. But there's kind of like a, it was <laughs> it was not clear at first, but then once you actually went through the process, it was clear. So, you know, just to <laughs> make of that what you will, but <laughs> just, to, just to get the details right. This data that you're referring to is absolutely essential. And I don't think people had a sense of quite how valuable Valuable it was until the Wall Street Journal picked up on it in an article that wasn't focused so much on privacy or anything, but just looking into how Facebook is a uh, Facebook operates and the future of Facebook type thing. And then kind of buried halfway down was was this re- this this uh, acknowledgement that they bought this app back in 2013. And it gives them an unusually detailed insight into what users are doing on their phone, m- much more so than folks that don't have access to data like this. And it turns out or it reported inside the article that this, this the intelligence derived from uh, this type of app and this type of data was actually part of the reason that Facebook made the decision to acquire WhatsApp. 
Yeah, and, it, and I thought that it's really interesting to look back on that article because at the time I was a little conf- I was a little confused because the yes, you can see data. And they can see how many people have Snapchat installed. They can see how much data Snapchat is sending. But the part I was confused about is that a VPN can uh, can can see how much traffic is happening, but they can't look into the traffic. Right? That's the point of having encrypted traffic. Is is you know it's encrypted, so you can see that this Snapchat. You know, there's, there's a lot of data flowing, but where is it? You know, you, you can't look into to see what mm. it is. But that's where this other piece comes in. Is they 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 had two programs going on. Onavo probably gave them much wider reach. And they could sort of get a more sort of representative sample of about you know what what apps are installed on people's phones and what, what are generating a lot of traffic. But then they could sort of compare it to the second data set that that we didn't know about till this week, which could peer into that traffic and, and maybe get a much more sort of granular view. And yeah, according to the, to the to the journal, this impacted their decision to pay so much for WhatsApp and. Uh, as well as you know, their strategy against against stories. And again, I think to be the reason I'm being super careful about keeping these separate is it's um uh first off I mentioned before that Apple changed the rules in 2018. Mm. Like Onavo was not against the rules. I think that's I think that's uh it, it adds important color I think to this discussion. Uh, you know as to how d- the degree of naughtiness or flagrancy that, that Facebook was under. Like there's it was a legal app. Then Apple changed the rules, as uh, and then Apple changed the rules to not allow apps to collect data that did not connect to the core mission of the app or something. I don't have the exact language in front of me, but then they they quickly started applying that to apps that were looking at other apps on the system. And like I said, this was a widespread practice. This was not a Facebook only sort of thing. So uh, under those new rules, Onavo was removed from the App Store in, in August, I believe. But this other app was not removed, and now it was not removed. No one apparently sort of knew it existed mm. until this week and this is sort of the this is what happened this week is TechCrunch wrote an article a great piece we will link in the show notes basically saying that Facebook is running this this app and it is under so the, the several things we on here what it's under their enterprise development certificate which is only supposed to be used by internal employees so that's number one number two it's collecting this data which uh, again is data that Apple already changed regular apps to not be able to collect and then three the level of access that is being granted by the certificate is you know down to the root level it, it, it's it vastly exceeds you know data that even even Onavo was collecting back in the day. So there's sort of like multiple layers going mm. on here. And then Apple dropped the hammer. They, they, they removed the developer certificate, which not only killed all those apps, but also sort of completely upended Facebook's sort of internal operations. Again, all their testing completely stopped. Like when when, a, when that certificate's removed, remember that app is on your phone and with a signature that connects that certificate. So Apple, because they have like sort of the master certificate, they, they can, anything under that, they can revoke. And once that was revoked, the app won't even launch. So all these, you know, all these test suites and all these employees with, with apps on their phone, you it's one of those things you touch the icon, the icon doesn't even launch. It, like it just nothing happens because it's, it, the, there is no longer a valid certificate that allows that app to launch. Because to say that the the fireball was ignited. 
Uh, it was indeed. Basically, a- any Facebook app that wasn't officially distributed through the iOS App Store no longer worked. And as consumers, we assume all the apps come through the iOS App Store. But for all the reasons we've been talking about, whether they're internal line of business or testing apps, like those things just stop working. You know, it's crazy to me. The tech giants tend to demonstrate a degree of restraint in terms of how they behave, because I think there's this recognition. It's almost hearkening back to the days of the US and the Soviet Union uh, eyeing off each other like, yes, I can do damage to you, but you can do damage to me. And there's this notion of mutually assured destruction. And and because of that, the the approach that they often take when put in 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 moments of conflict is actually to show a degree of restraint. And the last time I felt like the gloves came off like this really was back in the the patent wars back in the, the early 2010s, like 2011, 2012, and it was Apple and Samsung at 50 paces and basically pressing all the buttons on the dashboard in terms of like, like let's get the patent lawsuits fired up and going. And there were huge numbers being flo- thrown around in terms of how much damages were c- being caused. But since then, it's been pretty quiet. For Apple, Apple to come out and just arbitrarily like, okay, this is playing, uh, this is being reported, we are going to eliminate Facebook's ability to run any applications that are not going through the iOS app store, like it is a, it is a pretty ballsy move. Yeah, it, it's it's really it's really interesting, and I think your your framing is is compelling because you know there was on Wednesday after the TechCrunch story broke and sort of before you know Apple the the hammer came down, there was a lot of sort of consternation and outrage on on, on Twitter, and and I think that's why part of the reason I want to get into all the details about what happened here. What it looked like is that Apple forced Facebook to take Onavo down, and then Facebook mm-hmm. is like, "Screw you, we're going to go around you and put it up the other way," and that's why. I, and that was, I think, the perception that was mm. sort of widely shared. And everyone's like, this is outrageous. You know, they're basically sticking their middle finger up at you, know, giving Apple the bird. And, and and Apple Apple should take it down. And there was, like, calls that Apple should take their their regular apps down. Like, their, the, the, like the actual Facebook app, the consumer-facing app, should be taken out of the store. And, like, you know, and, you know it's not fair. They got to enforce the rules, blah, 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 blah. And there's a few things. One, the situation is a little bit murkier than I think the sort of initial appearance was. I do think it's meaningful that make no mistake Facebook was breaking the developer certificate rules 100% and and as we're getting to a moment it wasn't just them but it's not like they were doing it in reaction to to you know the novel getting kicked out at, at, at the same time I think it would be uh, it, it would it beggars belief that the folks inside of Facebook's growth team who I'm assuming is responsible for the Anavo acquisition and who then took the code from the Anavo acquisition and packaged it up into this uh, nice little sideloaded thing that gave them even richer data were not aware that they were doing something that everyone had kind of agreed was shady uh, that they had gotten a whole bunch of bad press for that they'd agreed to take the app down uh, and then it's like oh no okay we took the app down but cl- that that's because what we were doing in the app store is wrong clearly what we're doing here by taking our internal developer certificate which we agreed would only be used for internal use and getting it on the phones of teenagers amongst others to get even more detailed uh, data on what people are using on their phones like that's completely okay and we should continue using that without any problem yeah, no, it, it's it's a good point. Like, which is worse? Is it like Apple kicks us out, so we're gonna come back and say screw you and 
build a separate app. That's what everyone thought, and like that it turned out not being true. But then again, the alternative to we actually broke the rules two years ago, and and then uh, a few months ago, we not only continued breaking the rules, but also were crystal clear that Apple didn't want us to do that, and we kept doing it anyway. I mean, I guess it's there's probably a little bit of uh, six to one, half dozen to the other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does feel a little consistent to me around a, a, a lot of uh, that Facebook's reaction to these things is determined by whether people find it outrageous or not. And if they haven't found this particular instance outrageous, then it's okay to keep doing it. I, I mean, <laughs> I, we, we, I think we could definitely legislate Facebook's approach to these issues, and I'm not <laughs> sure that you're, you're very far off base. There, but there is, I think, broader context, which which sort of came out this week. I, I do want to get into Apple's response, mm. but it, it appears that this sort of practice, and again, to be clear, it's it, it's crystal clear that it's against Apple's rules to allow people outside the company to use these enterprise developer certificates to run apps. Like, th- there's no ambiguity here. But it was also one of those things that it was apparently pretty widespread. And, you know, it's like, so Google did it. They actually had a very similar program to Facebook where they were sort of finding out what apps are on people's phone and scouting traffic they did not have the level the, the the level permissions from their certificate that that facebook took for themselves so google could not look in on encrypted traffic so it was a um you know they were still breaking the rules but it was a little less uh sort of egregious as far mm-hmm. as looking into people's policies perhaps appropriately enough they also paid less or <laughs> i think that or they paid they paid in like google play gift certificates i don't remember what it was but um but then not just them it turns out uh lots of other folks do there's now twitter is on a uh, tattletale mission um <laughs> to basically find all these other apps but like the a lot of the independent contractor apps like DoorDash or like Amazon Flex which is for their sort of contractor drivers those are all apparently running on enterprise development certificates also which it, which the enterprise development certificate does allow contractors but only contractors that are doing development work. It it actually clarifies the sort of contractors. So now we have apparently there. This is not a Facebook only thing. This letting people outside the company run apps on uh, enterprise development certificates. I, on some level, I, so th- this this no, the 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 news that other uh, companies are also doing this. I mean, the fact that Google was doing it didn't surprise me too much. They were doing it probably for very similar reasons to the reasons that Facebook were. But the news that the DoorDash and the Amazon Flex are doing it is in some ways actually more disturbing to me than the notion that Facebook and Google are doing it. So Facebook and Google are doing it like you you opt into this thing where you get paid $20 to be a consumer researcher and especially the focus on teens and like in in the context of Facebook's egregious violations of privacy over the years, it's pretty galling. But this notion that the, the rise of the contract economy and this idea that if you want to be a, a, a delivery person for DoorDash, and there are more and more of these jobs and more of the people taking them, and they're not in a position of power, the idea that for them to be able to work as contractors, they have to install this certificate, which then gives the company that, they're, that they are contracting for complete access to their phone. I find that on some levels even more egregious than what Facebook and Google are doing. It's like your employer says the only way you can work for me is if you give me full access to your personal phone, even when you're not using it for work. And that that's also pretty galling. Yeah, and to be clear, it's not clear what what's going on because there's different levels of access you can you can get. Uh, I mean, there can okay. be so. I mean, because keep in mind, Google and Facebook had different levels of access. For example, and one of the things that I think makes Facebook Facebook definitely more disturbing than the Google program was this fact that they granted themselves basically root access and could 
basically amount a man in the middle attack against encrypted traffic. Like, mm. <laughs> like they were they were not shy about what they took. And, and and Google, while doing the same thing and probably for the same reasons, at least had some modicum of restraint, which mm-hmm. I think perfectly captures the Google Facebook dynamic in that they're both they're, <laughs> like they're both they both do things that are questionable about privacy. Facebook just does it like times 10. Um, like They're like, Google is like the older brother that gets up to something. And then Facebook's the younger brother that gets up to something, but does it 10 times creepier. Oh, but one more thing, just to be clear, we're recording this on a Friday and it's like literally just coming across Twitter right now where people are, are finding these other apps that do a similar thing. So we might not be completely right on this and some of this is changing, but at least of now, isn't it interesting that the best actor in this whole scenario appears to be Uber because <laughs> Uber right. just does a regular driver after the app store. They're not asking you to install a certificate. Like they're, they're the, uh, relatively speaking, the good guys on this, but I did have, I did have, um, one sort of anecdote that, that occurred to me about this, this contractor thing. Mm. There was a time when we moved house last year, we hired, uh, we wanted to get like a super deep cleaning of the house that we were leaving. And we used sort of a new startup that was, you know, you could hire a cleaner. The person came along and did a great job. And we kind of talked to her, oh, you know, maybe we should connect with you directly and you, you could do work for us in the future. And this is always a problem for these sort of marketplace apps. If the contractor has a direct, you know, if they end up meeting mm. the, the person in, in person, they could just cut out the the middleman, right? And and she was like, oh, well, yeah, but I can't do that because if the if I go to a place that I was hired to work at before, I will basically get kicked off the service. And I was I was like, I was kind of puzzled. I'm like, how how does that work? Like, can't you just like not open the app? Like, how do they know that 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 she is at the same place? And actually, I wouldn't be surprised. This might explain it. I don't know for mm. a fact, but this actually makes technical sense. If they if she had to install a certificate like this on her phone, and one of the permissions that it could grant is to not only allow this app to be effectively sideloaded, but also to force it to have location on all the time. Right? There are some apps that can like that's one of the permissions you can grant is to have an app always running location. Well, that would make sense how they would basically always know, always know where she is. And again, I don't know for a fact that's what's happening, but these revelations that are sort of coming out again as we speak actually make a lot of sense. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if that is, you know, widespread for some of those exact same reasons. It's very different from the Facebook and the Google angle to this, which I think we should come back to. But in the light of what you just said, like it definitely makes me as as an iOS user, it makes me happy to hear that Apple has this rule to stop this kind of thing happening because the phone starts to become this thing that an employer can use against you. And like one of the nice things about being an iOS user and paying this money up front is you've, it feels like Apple, in terms of its priorities, puts its customers on top of everybody else. And like that's always been one of the big distinctions for me in terms of like Apple's approach versus Facebook and Google's approach or some of these other companies' approaches. It's like, yeah, you pay a lot, but it feels like in terms of alignment of incentives, the device is working for you, not working for somebody else. So this is interesting, and this is where I think um, I want to be super crystal clear. I wrote about this in Daily Update yesterday, and predictably, even though I tried to be very clear, it got responses of people refusing to see the point I was trying to make. So I, I'm going to sort of like, if you'll forgive me being a bit pedantic for the next mm. couple of minutes, I want to be super duper clear uh, about the point I'm going to make. So layer one is this sort of just Facebook and privacy in general. Like mm. the obviously it's something that is in the news frequently. Uh, there is a whole host of questionable decisions. I think questionable is probably being generous that Facebook has made around people's 
people's privacy. And that ties into just the idea of Facebook generally snooping on what people are doing, you know, in, whether they got permission or not. And, and so that's sort of that's level one. And we can have a discussion about that sort of issue specifically. OK, level two is this sort of enterprise developer agreement question, which is, you know, it is a black and white rule. And Facebook absolutely broke the rule and Google absolutely broke the rule. And these other companies, they're a little closer because they are like contractors. Uh, it's not like you know paying people outside. Facebook tried to say that these people are contractors, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, but but you know, in this like DoorDash dealing with folks, they are contractors. So it's a little closer. But the agreement does say it's contractors that are doing development work. So they are also breaking the rule. So so level two is the enterprise agreement, and they are breaking the rule. And so you can, if you stick with those two levels. It's very easy to your point to be very sort of rah rah Apple. Like Facebook had it coming, and they're also breaking the rule. And Google's breaking the rule. These other companies are breaking the rule. And what they're doing is correct. There is, though, I think a third level. And again, I, I want to be clear that you can have opinions about all three levels that sort of contradict each other, and, and you're still sort of being consistent. And mm-hmm. that third level is this idea that Apple, at the flip of a switch, could basically completely disrupt the operations of a four hundred million a four hundred billion dollar company, or in the case of Google, however large they are, eight hundred billion or whatever. And 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 it's less a matter of the why they did it; it's more a matter of the fact that they even have that level that level of power. And, and, and it makes me very sort of uncomfortable. Again, leaving aside whether the reasons they did it are legitimate or not, and I would be super clear: these are these are distinct issues. The fact that they even have that level of power is, I think it should raise raise some eyebrows at a minimum. I mean, this is, it's pretty unprecedented that Apple could basically completely disrupt uh, Facebook and Google's entire sort of development chain. And and again, it's a development chain for the most important platform on earth. This isn't like some sort of frivolous activity. Facebook makes, what, 90% of the revenue from their mobile apps? Uh, and of that percentage, a huge percentage is, is from the U.S. And in the U.S., Apple has like 50% share. So, you know, some billions of dollars a, a quarter are basically dependent on these apps. And Apple can come in and say, guess what? Tough luck, you're not working on it. Ben, I I hear you loud and clear. It's like on some level, it's concerning that someone has all this power. But, and uh, like, forgive me if I you've taken all this time to neatly pull everything apart uh, into these different levels. But the long and the short of it is I really just, don't care. And I am really glad they did it. Like, particularly in the context of level one, like thinking about Facebook and thinking about the way that this company has behaved over the last 10 years, like going back to uh, OpenGraph, like the OpenGraph API and the great data giveaway that, yes, they'd never sold data, but man, they gave it away. Like all, all my all everyone's friends, like when you downloaded one of those games and you it asked you for permission as to whether you were okay with that app getting your data, you clicked yes, okay, fine, that's your prerogative. If you want to give uh, uh, whatever that game is your data and in exchange for the app, your choice. What was happening and what Facebook was enabling was not just the giveaway of that user's data. They were able to give away the data of everybody's friends. Now, I've talked about on this podcast previously, like 
like my struggles with coming out and how how I how I struggled with that for some time and that was something that was like a a deeply personal thing and as I reflected on that and I think this is part of where my disease from Facebook has always come from I thought about the organizations that could figure that out if they really wanted to and Facebook was at the top of that list and all the while this thing and this is just me one person out of the however many hundreds of millions of people they had data on at that time they were just giving that data away willy-nilly in exchange to try and get developers, in exchange to try and get platforms. They have a responsibility collecting that much data on people to treat it with respect, and they were not. And that's just one example. There's the graph search where you're able for a period of time to be able to do incredible searches that you shouldn't have been able to, like families in China uh, that that are connected to Falun Gong, like, or, 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 or men who like men in Tehran like that's the kind of thing that if anyone had any thoughts like why would you allow that to happen there's there's the Anova app and uh, as uh, an Anavo app rather as we've talked about just collecting data on people willy-nilly and now this VPN there's things like the two-factor authentication Facebook asking you for a phone number on for two-factor authentication and then using that for advertising targeting there's the creation of shadow profiles so you decide you don't like what Facebook stands for and you want to delete your data, well, guess what? Facebook doesn't care. Facebook's going to go off and start downloading the data of all your friends and their phone books and create a profile for you and track you around the web anyway. There's Mark Zuckerberg deciding that he doesn't like some of the messages he sent to people on Facebook Messenger previously. And so logging into people's message history on Messenger and deleting those messages. Like it, it, the, 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 like the, the credit card charges where kids were downloading these games on Facebook and running up massive ads and Facebook being well aware of that and referring to these kids as whales and refusing to refund the the, the credit card charges. There's instances of broader societal issues like what was happening in Myanmar and Facebook's complete absence of doing anything about it. It's just like they have been doing this stuff that is so wrong for so long and there have been zero consequences and finally finally someone has the power to be able to stop them to say this is not okay and it wasn't okay Uh, it's like yeah I get it's kind of it's kind of troubling that someone has that power but uh the last couple of days I gotta I gotta tell you I'm glad that somebody does <laughs> I mean, I, I want to uh, stand up and applaud for the quality of that rant, uh, and, and I mean that. I mean that sincerely. I know, as you know, no one appreciates a, a, a good rant than me. But here's the thing: I I agree with you. Like, I'm not gonna dispute any of those points. I mean, the the. But th- I guess <laughs> you kind of did what, what my readers did that I was kind of annoyed about. That's not my point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, 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 grant, I grant all that to you. I'm not – like, we've had plenty of debates about these various scandals of Facebook. No need to dip into them. I think for the purpose mm-hmm. of this conversation, I will 100% grant you everything that you said. And I deeply respect and and appreciate and understand the, 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 the personal sort of uh, view you bring to this, which which absolutely is, is I think – Something that I, you know, I, I it does not apply to me, and I'm privileged in that regard. Uh, at the same time, that's not sort of the the point. The point that I'm that I'm making. Uh, mm-hmm. The the point is not that Facebook didn't have it coming, or not that someone shouldn't do something about Facebook. It's that Apple, again, what, what, here's here's the question I'll ask for you: mm. What law did Facebook break? 
Yeah, so it's a it's a really good question, and I I don't think they did. But if I was going to point in a direction of where I would look, if they might have, it's like the way that they behaved with um, minors in terms of getting them to agree with without parental consent. Now, whether they did or not, I'm not sure. Um, it's definitely unethical, but is it illegal? I'm not sure. Well, but even if it was illegal, uh, since when is Apple sort of ju- you know the, the the enforcer of what is legal or, or, or illegal? And and the the issue that I have here again, mm. that's not to say that Apple should allow illegal apps per se, but but it sounds like what you're saying is you're okay with with Apple having this basically unprecedented level of power over. The, the way a company can can function or, or or make money in on the most important platform on earth because well that company had it coming i mean it's kind of like vigilante justice in a way i mean it is exactly vigilante justice like in in a sense i feel like i've been living in a village and there's been there's been this bandit coming around robbing and assaulting people in the village and they've been doing it for 10 years and it's been flagrant and everybody's like this is wrong how can this continue and the bandit lives in the village and the bandit's like yeah i'm i'm really sorry about that I, it won't happen again except it keeps happening again and it keeps happening again and it keeps happening again and finally this vigilante in in this sense like this this big guy turns up with his big stick to wit tim cook and says this is enough and like and, and for for just one second there is a sense of justice there is a sense of you have done the wrong thing so many times and now you are going to bear the consequences now in an ideal world, is this the way that justice is delivered? No. I mean, I, I 100% get your point. Like, you're not excusing everything that Facebook has done. Your point is like, this is not the way to fix the problem. I am just a villager who's sick of, of the, the robbings and the assaults and the kind of the, the fake apologies. And someone's actually finally done something about it. And I'm like, well, I'm glad someone has the power to do something about it. First off, I, I I should acknowledge the fact that I think uh, the vast majority of the exponent podcast is standing and cheering right now. So, and like it, again, I, I think you slightly mischaracterize. I think my position because uh, I'm very very sympathetic to the fact that no one seems to be doing anything about Facebook, and I I get that point of view. And you know, it, 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 so it's not even that is this the right way to handle Facebook? That's actually not. I'm not gonna like. That's not the point I would double down on. It's more the matter: should this level of power be invested in any in any sort of company? Again, we're dealing with one of the like the the most important platform on on, on earth. I mean, and and literally, one company can decide another company cannot run their business. Like that's that's what we're talking about. And I think it's illuminative in this perspect that it's not just Facebook. Now it's Google and now it might be other companies. And on one hand, it's like, well, yes, good for Apple being consistent in the application of their rules, uh, which kind of puts to bed, I mean, which, which suggests that your Facebook finally getting punished is more sort of a byproduct and not the intention. And so it's less the, the the vigilante came and said, told the bandit enough, more like the vigilante came through swinging a stick and the bandit was one of the ones that got hit. Kudos to Apple for being consistent in the application of their rule. On the other hand, is it really good for anyone that they're in a situation that Apple – again, this is an, a rule of Apple's choosing. Apple is the one that decided that no one can run anything on their phone without their permission. And is that – 
like we kind of knew the theoretical implications of that to see the implications play out in real life, I mm. think should be very, very eye opening and very concerning to a lot of people generally and people in tech in particular. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. It is eye opening. At the same time, as a consumer of Apple devices, I am glad that they are doing it. And yes, this initially, this conversation between us started out in the context of Facebook. And then it's coming to life that Google did the same thing. And maybe, maybe DoorDash, maybe Amazon. But for the reasons that you talked about with your anecdote, I don't think that's a good thing. And I am glad that there's someone sticking up for privacy. And in so much as this is a vigilante taking out the bandit of Facebook that's been doing it for 10 years, but maybe these other companies are only Johnny come lately. Again, for all the reasons that I I object to Facebook doing this kind of stuff, I object to these other companies doing this kind of stuff. To, To take it from a different perspective, I mean, I'm also an executive in one of these tech companies and I, I don't feel like what, like, I can't, help but think that the folks who were doing this knew that they shouldn't be taking this approach and they just thought they were going to get away with it. And I think there should start to be some consequences for these privacy violations if you start doing stuff like this. Now, I also want to make one other point in your defense, because I feel like like with the daily update and, and so on, that you've been taking a lot of flack for this stuff. And you've been consistent on this for some time. And I remember this this idea first came up in the context of regulation back before Trump got elected. We were talking about Obama regulation and I was doing, and I've evolved in my views on this in part because of your consistency. And your point was always be careful handing all this power to a central authority because it's great while that authority, you agree with that authority and they're wielding it the way that you like it. It's fantastic. But what happens when someone you don't like gets gets a hold of it or when they start making decisions you don't like? And isn't that scary? And I was like, well, you know what? He's got a point. And then 2016 rolled around and Trump got elected. And I was like, well, he really does have a point. Nevertheless, I feel like trust is so essential to these tech companies, like whether it's B2B SaaS, people being able to rely on like uh, SaaS in particular, take away the context of iOS and, and Apple devices. Like people have outsourced parts of their company to other companies in the belief that, well, if they do it for lots of people, they're going to do it better than I can. And therefore I trust them to do the right thing. I think this notion of trusting people to do the right thing is going to be a very, very powerful motivator. And I think that is going to be the thing that keeps Apple in check from behaving in a way that's egregious. Like if, if uh, I mean, again, as a consumer, I'm cheering them on. If they start behaving in a way where like, I don't think they should have done that. And I re- I see Tim Cook reaching into my phone and doing stuff like that. And I think they did it once with the uh, U2 song or something. They, they pushed it out over iTunes and there, there was outrage. And I think they learned their lesson. But in this instance, like them crusading for privacy, I'm actually like, man, finally someone's sticking up for it. I always love when uh, I, I do appreciate the the defense of my position followed by the nevertheless. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was a nice touch. But I, I you could push I could push one of your arguments back on you, which is uh, you've been very critical of me in the context of Facebook in trusting too much on their incentives, and I think you've been largely proven right. And to the extent that you know Facebook is is driven by this sort of set messianic complex it almost feels mm-hmm. like uh, th- that has sort of overruled what perhaps makes sense in the short term. And this, prob- this is probably an example. I mean, the, the sort of 
I mean, it was quite clear that this program was a problem, but that didn't that didn't apparently break through what you know the mindset of whoever was in charge of it to think to consider like what what are we doing here? And and again, of course, Facebook deserves much less the benefit of the doubt relative to to Apple. There's no disputing that. But you think about something from the perspective of look at how Apple deals with deals with the App Store. We've we've talked about this you know uh, several times i don't think they've managed the app store particularly well i don't think they've done it in a way that is that that spurs sort of long term innovation i think they have a lot of policies that are very apple centric for the good of apple and making sure apple can take as much money as they want whether they had anything to do with the, the production mm-hmm. of the the value production or not and i th- i think it's an example of in the is that good for the long-term sort of health of the ecosystem generally and Apple specifically? Uh, I'm not sure, but but all companies end up being sort of a bit blind to their short-term incentives. And in this case, I, I'm not sure that this doesn't fall under uh, under the same sort of category. Again, I'm not in the slightest analogizing Apple to Facebook at all. My only point is I think Apple might regret this and they might regret it, f- for example, number one, now they're having to like drop the hammer on lots of companies that maybe they didn't want to drop on. Like I'd be very curious to know how much did Apple share your view of Facebook? I mean, they've been you know, Tim Cook's comments have been very, uh, very strong and biting about Facebook in particular. Mm-hmm. And uh, frankly, you know, as I've noted, have crossed the line into not quite being true, particularly when he asserted they, they, they sold data in the past. He, did, he doesn't do that anymore, which is good. But at the same time, you know, there's clearly a bit of an antag- antagonistic and antagonistic <laughs> I can't talk uh, whatever that word is feeling between the two and how much of this decision to yes enforce the rules but Apple knew what a big deal this would be they like was because you know what Facebook had it coming how much was Apple like happy to sort of pull on the the cape there and be the vigilante and say you know what they had it coming. They broke the rule. We're going to force the rule. And now they're in sort of this quagmire where, well, we did it against Facebook, so I guess we have to do it against Google too. Well, we did it against Facebook and Google. Or we have to do it against Amazon. Or we have to do it against DoorDash. Like, uh, is that a situation that they want to be in? And and I'm I'm not surprised that as we're recording, they actually just record. They just restored Facebook's access, and I'm sure they're working to restore Google's very quickly because the longer this drags on and the larger this sort of goes on, I think the more people are going to start questioning. Wait, is this actually a place we want to be where one company has this degree of, of, of power? And and you know, I'm not sure if in the long run I could see this leading to a, a much stronger sort of pushback against Apple's total control, even though Apple perhaps did it with the best of intentions, and it might end up being a long-term detriment to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear your point. In terms of whether this is this is uh Apple playing to their incentives in the short run. I don't actually think Apple has a lot of incentive to do this, at least from not from a financial perspective, like risk pissing off all these companies. Right, that's that- my point. That's my point. Like, that was the point. I was, uh, sorry, I tried to jump in because I knew I was kind of fumbling the point and you just helped uh, me make it. My yeah. point is, I actually don't think it's in their long-term interest either. But that's an example of all companies actually do things against their long-term interest. Facebook does it, and, and here, arguably, Apple did it as well. Well, the, the funny thing is, I was going to pr- 
I was going to offer a different take on that, which is the reason that Apple has this power. Apple's power has always derived from the fact that a group of consumers love what they do and trust them and want to buy their products regardless because they do a good job and they look out for the user's interests. And this hasn't caused me to question that in any way, shape or form. And they've always prioritized users first and then developers were far second and then everyone else far third. And this feels like it's completely in line with that. And in so much as this actually runs the risk of, uh, I mean, I'm sure Facebook is probably going to be thinking about are there ways that we can prevent this from happening in the future. But in terms of me as an iOS, an individual purchaser of an iOS device, I'm like, hell yeah, this is exactly the reason why I did it. Because you know what? That exact behavior is like those apps still exist on Android. Like nobody's stopping it. And if if I was working for DoorDash and I had an Android device, I still have to install the goddamn thing that let's let or, or I'm your cleaning lady, assuming that's what's really going on. I still have to install that app and they still track me and I can't talk to you about perhaps cleaning off their platform. Like this is exactly where their power derives from. And I'd actually say this is the reason why I continue to use iOS devices as a consumer. And that's where Apple's powers always derive from. It's it's a good point. And to be clear, I, I'm I'm totally guessing about that that cleaning uh, lady mm, anecdote. It's more like this came down like oh, like I'd always had a question in my head about that that's parked in the background. I think your point about consumers is spot on, and and I I, I agree with you. I I can I think the argument that this will help Apple and endear them and and fits with their sort of overall brand is a good one and a strong one. Uh, I guess the the concern I have is more the it's more almost more from like like the the developer side and like the general sort of mm. health of the economy sort of thing. And and you know being super pro consumer is kind of how that's that's like the foundation of of aggregation theory in general. That's how we get these sort of dominant platforms because there's so many returns to being the the, the best strategy is to be best for the consumer because that gives you so much power in the marketplace. And this is a sort of a manifestation of that, but in a much more sort of like the level of Apple's control over its general ecosystem is far stronger than a Google or a Facebook. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you really can click away from Google or Facebook. Like when it comes to Apple, like this is just a flexing of of sheer power <laughs> that that's kind of, that's, that's pretty unprecedented. And I guess the, the, you know, there's just no, there's no way out. You know what I mean? Like, why why were these companies running these programs? I mean, leaving aside the, the well, well, including nefarious reasons, but also legitimate reasons. Uh, like, why were they? There's because there's no other way to like use an iPhone the way that Apple can exert control mm. over products that I supposedly bought and that I own. Uh, like, is is pretty amazing and unprecedented. Just again, analogies just to this happening with the PC or with Windows or something along those lines. I mean, there would be rioting in the streets if they had tried to do something like this. And you're right. The trade-off is from a consumer perspective is that increased level of security. And yes, Apple has and quite clearly deserves a whole lot more trust than a company like, like Facebook does that I'm not even remotely suggesting otherwise, but is it healthy and good for anyone that there be this level of, you know, being able to basically reach into people's phones and control what they can or cannot do with them and there being no way out of it? I mean, 
to go back to the payment thing, like I always said, I, I, I've always argued uh, that Google taking 30% and all that sort of thing is totally legitimate because there's an out. You can, mm. you can, you can have a web view. The experience isn't as good. Facebook or you know, Google will win on the user experience mm-hmm. using an app purchase. But there is, there is an out. And that kind of relieves the pressure if that makes sense, of the competitive situation. And similarly in this case, you know, like if if Google were to lock down Facebook in the way that, that Apple just did, well, you can still sideload it. And, and you know what? That'd be a real pain in the neck. App, you know, Facebook have to build completely new testing suites and go through the hassle of uploading things on the side. And all that. like it'd be a, it'd be a mess and Facebook would have it coming. But at least there's like there's a there's a pressure valve, if that makes sense. With mm-hmm. Apple, there is no pressure valve. Like the the you could see that I think a lot of the abuse of the developer certificates, it is abuse not in the context of the law. It's it's in the context of Apple making rules. You, like we, Everyone's like, oh, well, Facebook broke the rules. Yeah, but who made those rules? Apple did completely unilaterally. Like no one had any say in that rulemaking. They just made the rule, and there was in that created pressure and in, in, in a need to, to to do things a different way. So they used this out. Well, guess what? That out was also breaking a rule. So now the that out was cut off, and now they're basically paralyzed. There's nothing they can do. And I I I I'm not defending Facebook in the slightest. I just I think this is a very concerning situation that face that Apple has. We've always known they've had this power again, but to see it actually leveraged, I think is, 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 it's, it's concerning. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you. And I mean, the last time we had this conversation was in the context of the way that they're operating the app store. And you made a case for them, uh, for, for like this being a monopolistic behavior that needed to be stopped. And I was, I was more reticent <laughs> for once about regulating them on, on the basis of the fact that if they, if they get this power from consumers and they start to abuse it, then when you put developers second and you put them so distant second that you don't look after their you don't look after their interests at all you're going to start to see developers defect and funnily enough that's exactly what happened with Netflix Netflix used to have when you downloaded that app on iOS an ability to subscribe through the App Store and apparently Apple cut some deal with Netflix where Netflix didn't have to pay as much of a commission but it looks like Netflix has had enough and they've removed that option altogether and that's the starting point of okay you've put the consumer First, and you've derived all this power, and you can force people to swallow uh, deals that they otherwise wouldn't they otherwise wouldn't take. But now people are starting to walk, and now as a consumer, I want I download Netflix because I've never used it before. And I go to subscribe and I can't. I'm like, oh, maybe I need to go to a website to do it. And that's the starting point of like other people. Oh, I'll get I'll get Spotify or I'll get something else and I'll go to the website to su- subscribe. And it's a case of where they've used that power and it's going to uh, it's going to come back and bite them. Yeah, but but they're not going to buy it. They're not say, oh, I download Netflix. I have to sign up. I'm going to go buy an Android phone because that will figure it out. Like, uh-huh. no, that's ridiculous. Like the the and that's what you say. So so one. Like the whole idea that the alternative is is consumers abandon Apple and go buy Android, I think like it's quite transparently ridiculous. That's not going to happen. So to the extent that you're right that that people will abandon the very large developers like Netflix or Kindle or whatever can get away with it because they are so large and so well known that people can figure out to go to the website. That doesn't apply to the vast, vast, vast majority of developers. Mm. Like you are locked into doing what Apple says and you and Apple is so large and the iPhone is so important that you will jump through whatever hoops they put in front of you because you have no choice. You have there's no that's the issue. There's no choice. Like on the PC, Steam charges 30%. 
guess what? Epic can make their own store and compete with them. Like because the the PC is an open platform. Like at some level in there, there is there there's a there's there's the, the competition is the pressure valve, and, and you have this. You just don't have that on iOS at all. And if you're anyone not named Netflix or Amazon, you don't really have that option. It's not a realistic option. And not only that, Apple has no incentive to improve their tooling or their whatever it is. I mean, the real issue with Apple forcing you into a payment system is not the thirty percent. It's that their 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 actual APIs and and is are just they're, they're crap. And the the they're not developed nearly as much as something like Stripe, for example, and the whole infrastructure and reporting that you get from it and why why would they be there's no incentive to improve because there's no competition the points that you that you made on the previous podcast stand and i i don't want to relitigate them i i grant you all right fair enough fair enough we're doing a lot of granting Mm. this podcast so yeah yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) mutual um, granting yes uh, i grant you that entirely i think what's interesting to me is if we step back and look at our respective positions i think like the way that I've reacted to Facebook versus the way that you've reacted to Apple. It's interesting that, and I, I don't want to, this is a general characterization, but it feels like we both have reactions to these environments where there's a, a restriction on choice. And it's interesting because it, it, it feels to me like you're, you react much more to it when it is a restriction on the, the supplier side, whether it's developers or so on providing apps and the, the chokehold comes there. And for me, like my natural, where I naturally feel uh, I, I, like I feel it in my stomach is on the consumer side. And I, for all the reasons that you're talking about with Apple, I feel it on Facebook. Like even all the things that I've I've complained about Facebook doing, I feel like I can't opt off the platform because it has become such an inherent part of people's social fabric. Like people communicate with you there and they just assume you will see it. People invite you to things there and they just assume that uh, they just assume that you will get the and I miss like a really important uh, friend's surprise birthday party to me anyway, because I wasn't I, I, like I've been using it less, but I just can't escape the feeling that I can't get out of it. And so in so much as uh, me trying to find common ground between us, it is I agree with you, like these instances where choice is restricted because of these platforms dominance. I agree it becomes problematic. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to put it. I think there's probably something to it. I, I mean, the. I, I, yeah, I think that that's really interesting. Like, I, I guess I feel that leaving Facebook in some respects is easier than like leaving the App Store from a like a developer perspective. Mm-hmm. Or and but I, I I like your framing. I think it's really interesting. I think it suggests we're as usual. I think very very close. Like, I actually mm. agree with almost all the points you made. I just want to bring up that this App Store or Apple's control point I think mm. is is just as disturbing. And and your. Uh, I think you acknowledge the disturbing, but you know, think in this case it's it's appropriately leveraged. And you know, I'm not sure that it's not appropriately leveraged too. I mean, I can I'm very sympathetic to the idea that Facebook had it coming. You know what I mean? Uh, but again, it's weird how the I, we we originally were going to re- record this the other day when it was only Facebook, and mm. and I think that the dynamic of there being other companies sort of impacted as well, I think, kind of changes this a little bit in some respects. Like it, it, it's a little messier, I think in in both regards like there's Mm. still the aspect of facebook had it coming but now it's like well maybe you know maybe it was like an accidental hit by the vigilante as as opposed to an intentional (laughs) one then again maybe it was an intentional hit and then apple's like oh crap we just smacked facebook and now we kind of got to smack everyone else or it's gonna Mm -hmm. look like we were you know because you think about it what if what if apple did 
do it because it's Facebook and they're just sick of Facebook's crap. And like, you know what? Someone needs to do something. We're going to do something. And they did it. And then you can imagine like the day later when the news about Google comes out, like, ah, crap. Because it's almost – if there's like intentionality to them leveraging their power, like – then mm. it's, it raises the question almost even more. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, we're just following the rules. We made the rule. This is the way it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it, it was it was interesting to see them leverage it against Google. And on one hand, it was disquieting because it reinforces your notion that there is uh, there is so much power here and they can disrupt the operations of, corp- of, of entities, organizations all around the world. On the other hand, the fact that there is a degree of consistency is almost a little bit quietening to me because it's like okay this isn't them this isn't them just going after facebook this is them doing this on principle and i guess if i was to boil down one of my objections around facebook it has been this lack of principle and I, one other thing one other point that i feel like is really important to make in in talking about this i know a bunch of folks at facebook i know you do too and i'm sure there are a bunch of folks at facebook listening to this as well and our criticism is of the company because everyone of those people that work there are to a T really good people who are motivated to do the right thing. And I don't want that to get lost in this conversation. I think this is a situation where we're not agreeing to disagree. I think we're kind of like agreeing to like mostly, uh, mostly agree. Mm. Like (laughs) I I will just always be very nervous and skeptical. And I appreciate you acknowledging my sort of consistency on this point Mm -hmm. of this sort of centralization of power. And even companies with the best of intentions and you know to your point about facebook employees like facebook my concern about facebook is actually the degree to which they have good intentions like when i really turned skeptical of the company was when mark zuckerberg wrote that manifesto talking about facebook's mission to connect the world and make the world a better place like your 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 job is to is to make money. Like I feel better about Facebook. Like people are like, oh, all Facebook does all this because they want to get more views of ads. You know what? If Facebook was motivated by getting people to view more ads, I'd feel way better about the company than I do about my sense of this. You know, there's that memo from from a VP Andrew Bosworth last year. We'll put it in the show notes if you haven't read it. It's a must read. Mm-hmm. It's a link to a BuzzFeed article. Don't read the BuzzFeed part because I think they totally mischaracterized it. What was so powerful about it was it was this very introspective, self aware look. That at Facebook, they connecting people is an inherent good. And because it is an inherent good, whatever activities they do to connect more people, whether it be shady growth practices, which they are very famous for, whether it be scattering data in order to get more 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 apps connected to them, whether it be running the, these apps that are looking into the data of people are running, it is all de facto good because it is in service of their mission to connect people. And it's a twisting of one sort of moral compass where everything, the ends justify the means. And this is why like Facebook's problem in my estimate at a very high level is, is particularly at the top of the company. They're so convinced of their righteousness in my estimation and they're that what they're doing is good, that the ends end up justifying a whole host of means that all of us find very problematic. And that's why I push back against you being very excited about the end, which is Facebook getting smacked with the means, which is this big company doing it at the uh, on a whim. It is a very compelling argument. And there's there's no doubt about your consistency. And 
here I stand. And it's, there's, there's no doubt that vigilante. <laughs> <laughs> they basically had it coming. Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, the consistency makes me feel better, but I hear you loud and clear on this, like this, you get these notions that this is, this is the, the righteousness. When it gets filled, when there's this sense of righteousness and we're going to start smiting people on the basis of righteousness or it justifies what we're doing on the basis of righteousness, that is definitely a red flag to be aware of. And, uh, that, that, regardless of whether that is apple or facebook or wherever it is it's something you it's if i mean when it feels good like that particularly when you're in a position of power that is the moment to stop and examine the motivations and whether this is actually the right thing to do yeah uh, i think i think that's well put well we will see hopefully the story doesn't change uh, even more by the time we post this it is a rapidly <laughs> developing story yeah but I, I think it will be something that we will talk about for a long time because to your point about the sort of Cold War analogy, like there were shots fired here, mm. and uh, and that is going to that's going to resonate for for quite a while. And like I said, it might not just resonate on the Facebook side. I could see this resonating on the Apple side in in a mm. in a in a pretty meaningful way. But uh, time will tell. Time will tell. Indeed. Sounds good. Well, uh, it was good talking to you. And you are traveling next week. We are we are still going to try to post. But uh, mm. uh, happy Chinese New Year! I will be I'll be off on, on Monday at a minimum. Um, uh-huh. And uh, happy travels to you. Yeah, happy Chinese New Year to you as well, and to our listeners. And hope to speak to you soon. All right, talk to you later. Cheers.